0: Hello everyone, and welcome to another Radical Compliance podcast. I'm Matt Kelly, editor of Radical Compliance, and today we're going to talk about a subject I suspect many of you might like to hear, the idea that corporate ethics and compliance officers themselves should be serving on corporate boards. This notion first came to me earlier this year after Cognizant Technologies won a very favorable FCPA settlement with the Justice Department, and the department had singled out the strong commitment to ethics and compliance demonstrated by Cognizant's board, and on the audit committee of that board, which would have handled decisions about the FCPA matter, were both a chief ethics and compliance officer and a corporate internal auditor. Uh, More recently, We also saw that the Justice Department reached a settlement with Carnival Cruise Lines, where one stipulation was that Carnival will put somebody on its board with compliance expertise. So that got me thinking about the governance challenges facing corporations today and the need for ethics and compliance professionals in the boardroom, on the board, because they have that perspective and experience for issues about disclosing misconduct, taking strong ethical stances, grappling with the company's corporate culture. Now, that's a lot to cover, so joining me to discuss that is David Greenberg. David was a senior officer on the executive team at the Altria Group for 20 years, back in the 2000s and early 2010s, and he was the first chief ethics and compliance officer at Altria in the 2000s. David has now been on two private boards— and he serves today as chair of the Governance Committee and is a member of the Audit Committee on a publicly traded company, International Seaways, which is an oil and natural gas tanker business. So, David, welcome. Thanks, Matt. Great to be here. Uh, So first, tell me a bit more about your roles both at Altria back in the day and now at International Seaways, um, board committee assignments, other issues you grapple with, things like that. Um, What are you doing?
1: Yep. So um, Altria was a two-decade-long tenure. I came from law practice in Washington, D.C., Mm -hmm. where Altria was a client. Um, And I spent uh, 20 years in the U.S. and Europe overseeing worldwide government affairs, communications, environment, social responsibility, ethics and compliance, and enterprise risk management. My last seven years at the company was as the first ever senior vice president and chief ethics and compliance officer, which um, gave me a spot on the company's senior executive committee, which had the final say on all strategy Mm -hmm. and key issues. So in that role, I was at every audit committee meeting for seven years. And the chief compliance officer job was really interesting because in the decade or so prior to getting that job, I helped the company make a series of really big decisions Um, to admit smoking kills and is addictive, to agree to the $200 billion settlement with the state attorneys general, to develop and agree to FDA regulation of tobacco, to work with the United Nations on a tobacco control treaty. So then as chief compliance officer, it was part of my job to help make sure the company lived up to all of those commitments. Now at International Seaways, that's, as you said, one of the world's largest oil and gas tanker companies operating 40 or so super tankers all around the world. Um, It's my third board and first public company board. Um, I chair the Governance and Risk Assessment Committee and serve on the Audit Committee. Mm-hmm. Now, those are the two committees where any kind of misconduct, including financial, are dealt with. The Governance Committee is responsible for the structure, function, performance, and succession on the board itself, and also CEO and senior management succession as well as ensuring the company meets many corporate, legal, and regulatory requirements. Interestingly, it's also responsible for enterprise risk management, which in that context means the environment, safety, piracy, acts of God, um, issues related to turbulent and dangerous parts of the world, Mm -hmm. like the recent tanker attacks in the Arabian Gulf, or seizures of ships in places like Venezuela. So lots of issues that are relevant to a former chief compliance officer. The audit committee covers the integrity of the financials, SEC and other reporting, supervision of internal and external auditors. Um, So serving on those two committees has given me a really good platform for making sure I'm comfortable with how the company deals with every aspect of ethics and compliance including having a clear strategy, the right culture and tone, uh, the right approach to whistleblowing and reporting, and the right kind of training for the company, its senior executives, and the board itself.
0: So respond to the thesis I laid out earlier here in my introduction that corporations are encountering more issues where ethics and compliance perspective is going to matter. And, you know, sure, sometimes that's going to be violations of law where you're thinking about disclosure of misconduct to prosecutors. But also, there seem to be a lot of issues that are not violations of law, but are more questions about corporate misconduct or corporate conduct generally or firm reputation or how doing the right thing and the perceptions thereof, like that all gets mixed into the company's value that stakeholders see out in the wide world. And it seems to me that. A lot of these headaches are, they're proliferating. They don't necessarily have any easy answers, but um, these are ethics and compliance issues, whether the board calls them that or not. So am I barking up the right tree here?
1: Listen, I I think you're dead right. The issues are proliferating in the world. The real question is, are they proliferating to the extent they should in the boardroom? Mm Mm-hmm. From the headlines, from Me Too to Volkswagen to Wells Fargo, you'd think so. Yeah, but the reality is actually more nu- nuanced. Sure, senior boards and and management do spend sleepless nights worried about quote can this happen to us? But that should mask the fact that boards spend ninety nine percent of their time on overall strategy and performance you know, core financial results and projections, mergers and acquisition, the competition, financing the company, uh, people issues and problem areas of the business issues. Mm -hmm. So ethics and compliance and doing the right thing still mostly comes into play in retrospect in the wake of disaster or at the hint of a potential disaster. So the steps to prevent disaster through systems, culture, and monitoring pretty much take a back seat. Um, and here's some data on that. Okay. LRN's 2018 study of board oversight of ethics and compliance, done through off-the-record interviews of chief compliance officers of 25 companies around the world, found that boards overwhelmingly, um, one, fail to spend enough time or go into enough depth on ethics and compliance, often consigning it and its presentations to the last five minutes or just saying, you know, I read in the pre-board meeting packet, it's all good, let's move on. Um, Boards fail to have a long-term strategy or game plan for ethics and compliance and lack meaningful metrics to measure how the companies are doing. Boards fail to go deep. drivers of misconduct and fail to hold senior managers accountable for that misconduct. Boards fail to have meaningful relationships with their chief compliance officers or any relationship. And boards fail to have real training on how to conduct ethics and compliance oversight. Mm -hmm. So while happily there were some nice exceptions to this rule, the overwhelming picture was pretty dismal. Well,
0: Well, what should they be doing so that they are handling these issues wisely?
1: You know, your thesis is right. Um, Boards boards and companies pay a huge price for getting this wrong. We've seen it for the past quarter century and more. And, you know, we still have, in large part, not all part, kind of failed to wake up to it. To the extent that we're actually, you know, taking meaningful action at the board level mm-hmm. to get it right. Um, so I think your thesis is right that having board members with ethics and compliance experience would be of huge benefit because that kind of experience gives you all the tools to help boards have the right strategy, priority and focus. And they're missing that now. You know, this
0: question just popped into my head, although you and I have chatted about this idea for a long while now. So let me just put this to you again. Do you think that society as a whole is now expecting corporations to do more and to do more than just make money and look nice in your 401k plans? Um you know, there's all sorts of evidence about corporate trust and we are, you know, theories that if we don't trust other institutions, we want corporations to lead in ways that we'd like to see. But, I mean, what do you think about that idea that are we the public in our maddeningly vague way, but nonetheless, that, you know, society is sort of asking boards or expecting boards and corporations to do more in something in a, a role that traditionally they might not have done?
1: Um, I think that is 100% right. Um, we see more of it every day. And I don't think we're ever going back. Yeah. So I think companies have to, um, be aware of the totality of their operations and the impacts those operations have on society. And I think you're right that the failure of other institutions is just going to put more and more pressure on companies to do the right thing, to speak out on public issues, to be involved in ways that, you know, the classic economic model of just maximizing profits doesn't really take into account and I think you can see it in CEOs taking positions now on social and political issues that they never would have and, you know, it's all going in one direction mm-hmm. and, you know, perhaps you know, if we hit a big recession Um, There'll be a small period of going back to basics, but I think that the trends are pretty clear, unmistakable, and um, not going to change.
0: So now for all of that said, on the practical side, the fact is boards also need cybersecurity expertise. They want more female and minority members, and none of that is wrong. So I'm also wondering about how much do Those demands, these demands, and everything else, how does that lead to what I'm guessing is a difficult game of musical chairs in the boardroom? There's only so many seats that we have that we can fill.
1: Yep. Um, You've got the competing and important priorities for board composition, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Diversity is high. Um, Industry and sector experience will always be high digital and cyber experience is really um, on the upswing, and boards will always be looking for financial expertise um, for the audit committee and other places, and boards will always be looking for significant profit and loss operating experience. So the competition for board seats um, is intense and the kinds of issues that are Uh, on the minds of, say, governance committee chairs like me when you have to deal with a a board vacancy um, mean that, you know, there's just a lot to think about. And I'd have to say at this point, ethics and compliance experience doesn't make it very high on the list. Um, You know, I think so far in our time together, we've made a case that it should, you and me, Mm -hmm. but we need more discussion of Why that is, and how it could add value um, it it should be obvious from the scandals and the number of problems that companies have that would have benefited from having a strong ethics and compliance point of view on the board, but i don 't think we have fully um, made the sale yet, so you know it 's a work in progress you know um, what 's it
0: like as a board director anyways
1: well, look um lots of reactions to that on, on one on one level it, it's great uh-huh. um but it's also hard work if you want to make a real contribution um it can sound glamorous it is fulfilling but i think people can tend to romanticize it um there's a lot of uh reviewing quarterly 10ks uh, sorry annual 10ks and quarterly 10qs and proxies And monthly and quarterly financial statements and all that is arduous if you're going to do it well. You know, you've got to oversee internal and external auditors. If you're on an audit committee, Mm -hmm. Um, you got to review strategy and major moves. You've got to think about mergers and acquisition and financing the company. The second point I'd make, Matt, is it's also humbling. Um, Senior management is at its job 24 seven. Directors roll in on a quarterly basis for meetings and have periodic conference calls. So as a director, you've got to pedal fast to keep up. Yeah, There's a, usually a huge amount to learn. Um, for myself, I didn't know anything about international shipping and oil markets, which are both very complex. So you have to pick your spots to add value and not fall into a pattern of wanting to hear yourself talk. Um, I would say there's a, there's a big butt there um and that's the topic of of our discussion today ethics and compliance is an area where companies and boards are still in the early stages of learning
0: mm-hmm. so there's
1: a tremendous opportunity to make a valuable contribution that's why we need to continue to make the case for board members with an ethics and compliance background it would make for you know fewer scandalous headlines and a much saner and safer corporate world And I would say on the margin, when you look at the competing priorities, a healthy dose of ethics and compliance would do a lot for boards.
0: Let me ask as my last question, where do you think ethics and compliance officers could have the most effect on the board? Because we always assume you want to be on the audit committee. That's a a locus of power. But uh, for example, you're you're a member of the audit committee, but you're not chair of the audit committee. You're chair of a governance committee. Uh, you could make the argument that maybe a compliance officer's perspective on the nominating and governance committee or on the compensation committee, they might have influence in other ways that might be just as useful. So what are your thoughts about where specifically on the board an ethics and compliance officer might want to sit and exert influence?
1: Um, Here's the thing about audit committees, Um, they're overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. Agendas are jammed with mandatory issues related to the financials, the SEC, and financial reporting, inside and outside auditors, earnings releases, all that. Um, It's the longest committee meeting by far uh, at most companies. Um, It's populated generally by directors who are deemed to be financial experts. Mm -hmm um and any topic kind of related to ethics and compliance is one of those topics generally pushed to the bottom of the audit committee agenda. So I'd argue it's not a perfect place um, I really like the international Seaways structure of a committee on corporate governance and risk assessment, which is what our committees called
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know cor- corporate governance is important but some of it's Once it's done well, it's kind of housekeeping and can be dealt with rapidly. So we actually spend the bulk of our time on risk assessment, which is, you know, the natural partner of ethics and compliance. Yep. Risk kind of sets the table and frames the issues. And then ENC can help um, provide, you know, the systems and structure and response. But I'm not really arguing for any given structure every company needs to figure it out in its own context but boards should put ethics and compliance um, into a committee structure where there's time for in-depth treatment not last-minute discussion or let's leave it to the pre-read packet pile Mm -hmm. so i think in the end it's not about structure Um, just like in the end You know, in the ethics and compliance community, we've had endless debates and discussions about where chief compliance officers ought to report, whether, you know, the board, the CEO, or the general counsel. And I think the answer is all of those formulas can and do work, and all of those formulas can and do fail miserably. So it's really um, about creating enough attention and priority to ethics and compliance wherever it ends up in the board committee structure. And by the way, it's not just about the committee structure. Um, ethics and compliance needs to be on the agenda of the whole board and you know, discussed at least once in a while in a pretty in-depth way. Yep. You've probably seen a lot of what chief compliance officers Report to their boards. And I think it's always been, um, too quick, too superficial, too backward looking, talking about, you know, activity, um, and not, and not results, talking about, um, policy and procedures, not culture, and talking about instances and not systems. And I think all of those things need to be Kicked up a level or two in terms of of depth and strategy, both in companies overall and particularly at the board level.
0: All right. Well, David, that's all the time we have today, but you gave us quite a lot to think about. So thank you very much for your time. It's been great.
1: Uh, you're welcome. I enjoyed it.
0: And again, everybody, that was David Greenberg, former Chief Ethics and Compliance Officer at the Altria Group in the 2000s and now a board member and chair of the Governance Committee at International Seaways. And he was talking with us about the insights corporate compliance officers can bring to corporate boards and his experience serving as a board director. So that's all for this podcast. I'm Matt Kelly, editor of Radical Compliance. Thank you all for listening, and I hope you'll join us again next time.